48-hour art check. Best of podcast. We go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday on YouTube. 9 p.m. California time, and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later. You can always check things out at coreykerr.com slash 48HR. We take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast. Today's topic is work. And that might seem like a very like, okay, <laughs> work. Hmm. What, how, where's that going to lead? Um, and this is going to possibly offend some people. Maybe I hope not. Um, but I, I really want to be unfiltered and honest in this bit. And I would um, like to, I'd like to state that yeah. right now, before we get started, if you get offended at this, um, I don't think that's either of our faults. I think you should take a good, hard look at yourself and why you found it offensive. I'm just going to say that because I think yeah. I don't think we're going to say anything offensive, but I could see people yeah. getting their feelings hurt or being offended because of what we say, but I don't think it's because of the message as much as it is of the receiver. All right. So that said... Trigger warnings put out there. Right. Um, Buckle up. The, uh, <laughs> the, the, the thing that kind of got me, it, it just gets me a little frustrated because I've had two incidents within the last week. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to say where or who. I'll just kind of give the gist of the conversations and the people, a rough idea of the people I was having those conversations with. Um, so I've, I've had conversations recently with, two people who are not financially in the best positions. Um, they're, they're younger than me and both have had the attitude of, well, I'm stuck here in this crap position. Um, because I just haven't lucked out like, like, like all the executives or like people with your kind of position kind of attitude. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't born into the, the luck that you were born into. Yeah. Like, like nobody's opened that, magic door that's that's been open for you that you just kind of prance through um and and just kind of this assumption so um it just made me want to like do a little bit of content on this because i I don't know if i've talked about this um maybe i have but it, it feels like i haven't really addressed this too much so i thought it would actually be helpful to just show um people like listeners and stuff who might maybe even have that same kind of feeling where they're like, okay, um, Corey is like, you know, a professor at a college and that's a lofty position. And so like, you know, if that had been handed to me, then, you know, or like Josh is a art director and has been an illustrator. So if those clients had just handed the work to me, then I'd be in that um, spot. Um, and then there's other people who might be listening to this and being like, I don't want those jobs, you know? Right. And in that case, um, hopefully you won't be the people who might be slightly offended by this, but, um, I just, I think there is a problem with culture in the sense of the generation kind of after me and, and somewhat of my generation, I think. Um, and maybe it's not even a generation thing, um, where people will look at, um, people's successes and feel like their instant answer to it to kind of justify their own non-successes is just to be like, well, 
the cards just didn't like, you know, land in my favor. Like, yeah. you know, the, the dice just didn't get rolled towards me. And there are scenarios before we get heavy into this where that's completely true. You know, um, there are some people who are born with like no legs. And in that case, you're kind of in a rough position compared to the rest of the world. Um, yeah. There are people who are born with mental disabilities and, and you are kind of on an uneven playing ground. Um, I want to interject here. Um, I think that what you're saying is absolutely true, right? I think, I think the, the world is absurd and the absurdity of nature, how some people are born into a prosperous situation and some people are not, and some people are born physically one way and some people are born physically another way. Those are all facts. And one thing, one thing about existentialism that I really like is that there's the, the idea of facticity, which is a stupid word, but um, it's the idea that there are facts in your life that you have to deal with, right? They exist, yeah. but you get to dis, you get to ascribe value to them, right? And so yeah. there there is one person who is born into a situation, another person who's born in the same situation. One person decides that that situation defines them and that they can never get out of that situation because they are defined by it. And the other person says, screw that noise. I'm going to do what I want. And they choose to ascribe a different value to that situation. Right now, this is what I'm. Yeah, just just to interject. So, because I think you're heading somewhere we're going to be probably most likely kind of concluding with. Okay. Um. So before I get into that, I want to say that what Corey is talking about is not the exception that I'm talking about. The exception that I'm talking about is like, let's say I'm born into a war-torn country and at three, a bomb drops on my house. Like no matter my perception, that just altered reality. Yep. Um, If you're born in like, you know, uh, Serbia, when like bombs are dropping, you don't really like, no matter how your perspective is, you're in a town where bombs are dropping. That's remarkably different than the scenario I was born in. Sure. So, so I'm, I'm just trying to preface by saying there are some cases where like, despite your perspective, it just sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, and, and and you may not have the potential to kind of, grow to be an artist or something like that. It doesn't mean you shouldn't try. And I think that's going to be what, um, what Corey and I will be heading towards. Um, sorry, I wasn't trying to cut you entirely. I just want to be clear about my, my initial preface because, um, but, but I will say, um, to like the assumption that people who've succeeded, um, were handed what they succeeded with on silver platters, there's an exception to that where sometimes that's completely true. Right. Um, sometimes somebody's born into like a super wealthy family. They're given a massive inheritance and they have a huge um, advantage over like, you know, 99% of um, society. So I'm, I'm bringing up those exceptions so we can kind of throw them out because they're exceptions. <laughs> but I think in general, um, you're not going to meet successful artists who didn't um, put in more work than most people would to get where they got. And that's why I kind of wanted to kind of get into our own biographies. I don't know if, um, Corey, you might want to finish your thought and stuff, but I'm just thinking like we might want to just give a quick rundown of our own biographies, just really brief. 
some of the struggles we've had to go get through just to kind of be where we're at, which by the way, is not like the ceiling of the potential of where we could be. Um, Cause I have a lot of peers who are billions of miles beyond what I've achieved. You know? Right. Um, but just to get where I'm at, um, I kind of want to get into that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, and to finish, to finish my thought, yes. um, I think in any situation, uh, I- including bombed out cities and everything, um, you get to decide how much value to put in that. Now, does that mean that it's fair? No, it's absurd. It's absurd that, you know, a huge portion of the world is born into a situation where, you know, they're not like, do I, do I choose art or do I choose accounting? They're like, am I going to eat this week? You know, that that's, that's an absurd amount of challenge, but I still think, um, not that I expect, that there's this like level playing field and that people should pull themselves up by the bootstraps because that saying in and of itself is really like ironic that people use that as a way because like you can't, if you're going to lift yourself up and you're pulling against your own bootstraps, it's like a physical impossibility. Originally that phrase was used uh, to show the absurdity of that. Um, But um, the, the thing, the thing that I think is valuable is this other idea of a hundred percent accountability, yeah. Um, and uh, and I was I was I was listening to lectures on existentialism and also uh, listening to Kevin Cross talk about uh, some struggles that he was going through. And in, in existentialism, there is this idea that you are a hundred percent accountable for your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, your behaviors. Um, you're hundred percent accountable for those things, and that there are also facts in your life that may have caused situations or, or, or things. But the reason that you're hundred percent accountable is because that is the only powerful position to be in any yeah. other position that you take where you start blaming, justifying and rationalizing your situation or your behavior or whatever. Um, it, it is a weak position because it's not a position from which you can act. And I'm not talking about power. Um, you know, like the president of the United States has power. I'm talking about the ability to make a choice and follow through on that choice. That's power, right? And so if I make a choice and I have the ability and power to follow through on that choice, then um, I I don't believe that there is a limitless number of possibilities, but I do believe that that is the most powerful position that I as an individual can be in because any other position is going to give me an excuse to not do something about my life. And so if I don't like something about my life, then it is on me and no one else to take action on that. And if, if I start blaming the president or my boss or my parents or my neighborhood or my disabilities or my struggles or whatever, um, if I start using those as an excuse to not do what I feel like I want to do, I'm not hurting anyone but myself. Now, it doesn't mean that any number of those things are not true and don't exist and don't actually have a fairly significant negative impact on my life, but it just, I decide how much value they have and I decide whether they stop me from acting or not. Yeah. So, so let's, I, I, I want to continue further and I think this will be a topic that's going to carry over because I know we also want to get art done tonight so um, (laughs) let's get into like a just brief rundown of our own kind of personal histories of just 
you know, and obviously this is going to be not like a full-out autobiography. If you want to read that, you can check out quarterlystories.com. Uh, um, but this is just snapshots um, of just some of the kind of hardships that, like, I myself have had to overcome to kind of get where I'm at as an artist. Um, and by no means where I'm at is that, like, a solid foundation. And so that's something to kind of be clear about, too. But um, the, the reason I also wanted to bring this up is in the case that I started this with, with those conversations with those people, uh, unnamed people that I mentioned, um, when I brought up a few examples that really hit home with them because they were very similar to the positions they had um, in, in jobs they had, um, struggles they had, like one of them wanted to go to junior college and yet, you know, his thing was kind of like, but I just have to like work like two jobs to kind of like keep the roof over my head. So yeah. when am we going to go to junior college? Um, and a lot of this kind of thing, um, when I brought up some of this stuff that I'm going to be bringing up now, um, they were really floored and almost angry because I think they wanted to hear, yeah, that sucks for you, man. I, I, I'm fortunate and I had a really lucky life. I, I, I lucked out more than you. Um, I don't think they wanted to see an example that like, hey, there might actually be a possibility that you could end up in the job I have like easily um, right. with enough work. And that's, that's kind of like a different thing. So that's kind of what I'm going to get into. Um, so, Because well, real quick, I think the only difference between where we all are today and where we could be in three to five years is time and effort. That is the only difference, right? There's a little bit of opportunity in there, but if I don't put in the time and the effort and that opportunity comes, I won't be ready for it. I I tell my students all the time, I could bring in fortune 500 company. Well, not that I could, but I said, what if I brought in a fortune 500 company right now? And they're going to say, Hey, we're going to hire a designer and pay $250,000 a year. Their, Their eyes light up. And, and I tell them, you guys aren't ready for that. That, that opportunity would do you no good because none of you in this room would be able to handle that. I yeah. said, now, down the road, I think many of you would be able to take that position. Um, yeah. But the difference is, right now, you haven't, you haven't worked hard enough. You don't have the time yeah. under your belt. And so it's not just opportunity. It's that you have become someone who is able to take hold of those opportunities when they do come. Yeah. So, I, okay, I, go ahead. And I actually think that's a, that's a really good point. Um, it, it kind of brings to mind like um, uh, some lyrics my ba- my band uh, wrote for like a song that we're calling Silver Platters, which is like um, you know this song didn't write itself. <laughs> yeah, dreams uh, dreams aren't just purchased from a shelf; they're bought with action, time, and work, and no silver platters. And like it's like the it, it's definitely a, a huge philosophy of mine um, that's benefited me in my life. Um, and actually been like kind of a, a helpful, you could call it like a mantra or just like a philosophy that's helped me succeed in my own life. And I've seen when people kind of take hold of that type of philosophy, use it in a non-destructive way. We can get into that on further topics too. There's a destructive version of that too, right? Um, which doesn't account for unforeseen events, which is, I think Corey and I are probably more prone to that, um, as a weakness in, in our philosophy, um, yeah. But, but, um, but at the same time, um, I, so I want to get into it. So let's get into it and I'll, I'll touch through it a little bit. 
Um, and then you can kind of get into yours and then we'll just kind of close out. Um, but so for anybody who like wants to be an art director, um, which I had a point in my life where I'd look at like that position and it just seemed like this lofty thing that you had to have like handed to you or something like that. Um, I want to get into like how I ended up there. And I also want to be clear again, like I, you know, it's not an art director at like Disney or something. It's not like, I'm not the, on the rung of art directors. I'm not like at the top or the upper echelon, but I am in a position where there are a lot of people who would like my job. Um, so I want to get into like how I arrived there. So first off, I'm just going to start with like kind of how I grew up. I grew up really poor in a pretty big family. Um, and part of why we were poor was my dad was a graphic designer and he took a job at a print company in Texas. And then when we came back, the whole industry had shifted to digital and my dad had like four degrees, um, and, didn't really feel like going back to school, understandably. I understand that a hell of a lot more now as an adult, too. Um, And just the industry had changed, and so he was forced to just kind of do a lot of remedial jobs, Um, a lot in management, but um, it was a house. You know, I had two sisters and two older brothers, so a lot of kids. Um, And when we moved back to California, we had to live with my aunt because we couldn't afford housing. Um, my mom, once again, it's funny, I've even joked about that on the phone with her recently where I said, uh, it kind of fits our family motto. I forget what the scenario was, but I was saying like, you know, we're overeducated and underpaid. (laughs) It's like everyone in my family is pretty highly educated, but just we've never been paid extremely well. Um, so my mom had her high school teaching credential, but had to waitress. Um, my dad was mopping floors at, um, at like fast food joints and stuff like that. And eventually they saved up enough money living with my aunt who wasn't charging us rent um, where all three of us kids were sharing like one little room. And then my mom and dad would actually sleep out in the living room on the couch. Um, And then we worked our way up to an apartment complex where my mom and dad made a deal to be the um, overseers of the apartment complex so they could get a reduction in the rent. And it was a, um, a two bedroom apartment for, you know, five, five people in a family, very small apartment kind of in the ghetto of the city. And, uh, and I loved it. I had a really good family, but, um, but we had like, we were in debt, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, there were times where it was like, you know, PB and J for like an entire month. <laughs> um, and so on. So finally, like we kind of grew older my mom finally, through a lot of hard work and stuff, landed a position as a teacher. My dad got a better managerial position at like a bookstore, um, before that a hobby store. And so they kind of started clawing their way out of debt a little bit. Um, but I went to like one of the worst high schools in California, um, in Roseman, California, which is like, look it up on the map. It is just a dot of brown with like four houses. Um, and... I, you know, myself and my, my best friend in high school, who actually I think is another good example and case in point of what I really believe as a philosophy, he's the wealthiest person I know, um, in my age range from my peer group. Um, he works at like Oculus at, on Facebook campus. And, uh, once again, a lot of people might be like, oh, that'd be great. Like when they meet him and not realize like he, the time I was best friends with him in high school was living in a trailer park with, um, four brothers 
and a single mom. <laughs> and, and he pulled himself out of that to um, get like one of the most prestigious scholarships in California and kind of like work his butt off and get his MBA and, you know, acquire a lot of knowledge. And now he's living like up north in like a ridiculous house. Um, but so, you know, which makes me proud because I've seen that growth. But for somebody who didn't see that growth, they might be like, well, that's nice for all those, you know, rich, entitled guys up in, um, you know, uh, San Francisco, like, you know, doing their tech stuff. They had wealthy families. That's not, that's not necessarily true. Um, so anyhow, so from there, um, I, you know, did okay in high school. I was never a great student, but I worked my butt off. And so I got into AP classes, honors classes. Um, and then I, uh, I misbehaved a lot in, in high school. So I got kicked out of my house at like 17. Um, from at 17, I got like a full-time job. I, I moved in with friends of mine. We lived in this apartment complex that you could literally look that apartment complex up and you'd see death rates just like through the roof. Cause it was not a safe area. Um, and uh, I lived there and I, I didn't have money for a car. So I biked, um, like literally like across the entire city to get to. So this is like a, I walked five miles in the snow kind of story. Um, but I biked like, you know, more like 12 miles, um, on a daily basis just to get to my work, which was, uh, well, so like before I got kicked out, I worked at movies 12 or movies 22, like for Cinemark <laughs> as, as a doing concession, um, you know, cleaning like canola oil out of a popcorn machine and cleaning bathrooms and stuff. Um, because I wanted to be in bands and I wanted to play music and we didn't have money to get anything. So, I mowed lawns and did that and bought all the equipment I needed so we could play gigs. Um, but anyhow, so, uh, so then I'm in this apartment complex and I get this job, which I was excited about. It was a full-time job and it was graveyard shifts at an AM PM, um, which like I've told that story, but, um, you know, was not a pretty job. A lot of the time you'd have like white supremacists, like gang members coming in, this was um, pre 9-11, so it's like you had um, – there were no, uh, like, glass things or anything. Like, there were, there were no standards. Now you'll notice, like, late at night at most uh, <clears throat> franchise uh, gas stations, they'll have, like, two people on shift because it's just really unsafe to have one person manning an entire gas station that's not a closed system, right. like, with the, with the glass and stuff. But anyhow, so – uh, so I, I went through that at that job, I had to clean the restroom and it was an outdoor restroom where there would be like heroin needles and stuff in the restroom. I like mopped poop off of the walls. Um, I like, you know, stocked a, a beer freezer with like, <laughs> you know, booze that would then get stolen by people doing beer runs. Um, I, I had to face down like guys who'd come in with like swastika tattoos and tell them to leave. Um, and I worked that job, as I've said before, got robbed at gunpoint, kind of had a life assessment and was like, I need to go to junior college. So I scrounged up the money to go to the junior college, um, near me, which is affordable for people. Um, and that's actually something I was talking to that kid about that he got mad about, um, but it's actually not super expensive to do junior college. And so I do like night classes. Um, and then I'd go do a graveyard shift. So I'd like get out of my night class at like, 
11 o'clock because usually they get out at like 11 or 10 45 and then i'd bike from the junior college which was even further <laughs> um to my uh to the mini mart and then i would like kind of um pull a graveyard shift which is exhausting and i'd get off at like 8 30 i'd bike home i'd be home by like nine and then i'd crash and do it all over again and i did that for about two years straight um and worked my butt off in school um there were a couple of classes particularly like the math courses to get that like aa that were just a nightmare for me because not only am i terrible at math i'm also really terrible at math when you're like sleep depth and just yeah. insane which anybody who's worked graveyards for over a year you know it just like starts to screw with your head um there's times where you actually start hallucinating because it just screws with um, the natural REM cycle. And, uh, well, anybody who doesn't believe it probably doesn't live in the Northwest and experience, like, what it's like not to have sunlight for a year. Um, so, anyhow, went from there. Um, finally, you know, got through all my classes, uh, scraped by, got my AA, transferred to a state school because I couldn't afford. Like, I had applied to, like, Art Center and some other colleges and gotten accepted, but even with like a year scholarship, I wouldn't have been able to afford it. Um, so I went with the option I could afford, which was Cal State, took out massive student loans, um, and then basically just plowed my way through school. But like in the first semester there, my dad passed away of cancer and uh, I was like 22. And um, I was like, well, what am I gonna do? Like, you know. So I had this, like, I remember at that point and many points before that, just this very clear decision of like, okay, at this point you can kind of freak out, screw up in college, or you can just kind of work through it. And so I just chose to work through it. Um, but even while I was at um, Long Beach, and this isn't Long Beach in a really bad neighborhood, sharing a one bedroom apartment with a buddy um, just to keep the, uh, the rent affordable. And then also working um, part-time at like two different jobs <laughs> um, to, I would bike like across Long Beach in like the ghetto of Long Beach, which once again, look up the crime rates. I'm not kidding. It's a bad area. Um, all the way to Cal State Long Beach, which is a better part of town. Um, and then back again after every single class um, to either work or back home. Um, and then from there, just kind of gradually started um, carving away but something triggered at that point like something flipped when I made that choice to like really double down on work so my grades went from like you know because um, they had dipped a bit at the JC but something just clicked when I started taking it seriously I think I realized my own mortality and I was like well you, you kind of get a shot at this once so I was like I'm going to get A's and everything um, and so I just started getting a 4.0 but that 4.0 didn't come easily because a lot of it was like filling classes that are like English classes, theater classes, like some of the extra classes you can't get at a JC that are required for your degree. And then going through foundation classes. Um, and as I've mentioned before on this, I've never been a quick artist. And so I would usually work like maybe a day extra, like everybody who pulled an all nighter for an assignment, I'd pull like three <laughs> to get the same result. Um, and then just kind of gradually kind of clawed my way through that um, working just remedial jobs and remedial jobs through the summers 
Um, one was like working shipping and receiving at like a gotch chocks where I was like unloading trucks and like lifting heavy furniture for people and then building furniture. Um, and then using this really cool machine that like compresses um, like uh, cardboard, you know, and actually like the lady who managed it had lost an eye because you tie the cardboard after it's pushed down with like, with like this steel string. Yeah. But if you don't tie it correctly, the string will pop back. And that actually happened to this lady. So she literally had one eye and she was like, be careful when you're doing that because this could happen to you (laughs) kind of thing. Although in retrospect, I'm wondering if maybe that was just like the eye had been lost before. Maybe it was like Corey's um, experience that he posted about in social media with the, with the iPad. (laughs) Jeez. Um, Where he's just like, when I lost this eye, it's because I was tying this steel thing. It's like actually just because you dropped your iPad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so then, you know, from there, like just kind of working, um, I met my now wife in art school and kind of pursued her and we started dating. We moved in together, but like we had no money. So we had to move into an even worse part of Long Beach. Um, and through that experience, you know, it's like we, we finally were wrapping up school and I was just seeing this window of like, I'm going to have all this student debt. And then I I saw a few friends who had graduated like a semester before who were all working like waitressing or like bartending or like worse and just saw the writing on the wall. Like if I don't actually start taking activity now, I'm not going to be doing art for a living and then I'm going to be in debt and this whole thing's for nothing. So I just started cold emailing thousands of clients like potential clients like people i had no business emailing i didn't even have a degree yet i had like a student portfolio with some personal projects i had built on the side and um and i started landing some clients and then i built up enough of those clients to where when i was out of school i was able to go to an education company that i luckily knew one person who worked at who got me the interview and i i had work to show and so, and not just school work, like professional work. And so I showed that I got that first in-house gig. I BS my way through a lot of the interview because I hadn't really, like I had learned illustrator, but I hadn't learned illustrator. And so I just asked tons of questions, absorbed as much as I could. Um, and then from there, I just, you know, left because I wanted to freelance, but I had been submitting artwork to Threadless and the, other competitions just because I was going nuts, like drawing happy kids all day. And, um, and I had started kind of like pursuing doing skateboard graphics and t-shirt designs and stuff like that. And just like a dog, like when I get home, I would spend like six hours just targeting like different potential leads and, and just, and keep in mind getting demoralized throughout the whole process. Cause like 20 of those 20 to like, um, one, were like the odds of even getting responsive, like, hey, we'll keep you in mind, you know? So you're just hearing like, you suck. No, we're not interested. We're not interested. Kind of persisting through that till I built up a t-shirt client base. And then I was able to quit that job. Um, Actually, before that job, I forgot about that. I did like line separations at like a silk screening place, um, just peeling Ruby lift film and just asking a lot of questions. Um, and just kind of gradually worked my way up until I had built like a stable freelance career. But in that time period, I also had 
I got jumped and got my portfolio stolen and was beaten so badly I couldn't walk for two weeks. Um, that's when I worked at the education company and my wife and I were living in Long Beach. Um, <clears throat> I got accosted and like by a neighbor who like basically ended up getting arrested later. Um, and we actually had to file and kind of move. Like that's kind of what the cops told us to do. They were like, well, you're just, I mean, this guy's like, you just should move. <laughs> um, so we moved, um, uh, you know, when, when I moved to Portland, like I had finally built like this giant client base and the whole thing collapsed. And that's a scenario like Corey was describing where a lot of people would be like, well, screw George Bush because he screwed the economy, you know, and now like all the banks are <laughs> like, um, and half of the banks were like, I, I had gotten to a point where some of those banks were clients of mine. So I was like double pissed because I'm like, dude, I just landed the big clients that are like the big paying clients. And now it turns out they're just paying with like crap money. Um, and so we had just moved to a different state and my wife and I are left with like nothing, like my whole base, like my whole projected budget was just none. And so I went from like health insurance to no health insurance having to go to like institutions to get teeth pulled because I couldn't afford dental work um, and just continually kind of clawing through that process, moving back kind of like my wife and I literally having to like move in with my family for a while. Um, and I'm just going through a little bit of this just to kind of say, um, and there's so much more, <laughs> but that's just a quick glossing over of, um, that in the whole time, whether I had clients, whether it was dry or not, I just kind of refused to not be doing this for a living. Um, but that all brought me to a point to where when I had finally gotten to the point where I'm interviewing at the place I currently work, um, and I was able to show the body of work that I built through all that chaos, um, <clears throat> the clients I landed, the, the, the stuff I had grown, the podcast that I had hosted with Kevin Cross during some of that. <clears throat> the uh, the social media I had done to kind of build my brand and stuff like that. The t-shirts I had done that like went viral online and actually some of them caused trends that kind of rippled around and were ripped off by everyone. Um, <clears throat> none of those were like by design. They just happened through that process of chaos. Um, but by the time I actually got to that job interview, all of that pooled into this perfect scenario where I was able to actually say like, I've been a professional artist for 15 years. I've worked in publishing. I've worked in apparel. And I was able to list everything I'd done. I've, I've done everything from like separating Ruby with to like, you know, doing old school trapping, <coughs> like at, at a printing press, all the way to, you know, making things for lithographic print um, to web press to offset press. Um, being able to mention my knowledge of CMYK, of illustration, of graphic design that I learned by necessity because, like, I, I needed to know graphic design if I was going to do T-shirts and, and, and skateboards because <clears throat> you got to have type um, and good type, not, like, crappy type. So I just learned it the hard way. Um, and that, anyhow, my, my only point is, um, and this way it was a lot more long-winded than I was expecting, but my only point is all of that chaos led to the point where when I got there, um, I was able to actually say like, I'm qualified for this position. Um, and so what I'm, what I just went through, um, is kind of what goes through my mind when somebody goes like, well, you know, I'm not lucky like you and like, not just going to get handed a position like that. Cause I'm stuck at a shipping and receiving dock. Cause I'm like, 
well, I was stuck at a shipping and receiving dock <clears throat> or like, cause I'm going to have to work nights and I'm like, well, I work nights. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm like, are you going to school after you work nights? Cause I did that. That actually it's possible. Yeah. Um, and it's, <clears throat> it's one of those things where, um, it's, and keep in mind, I also don't think I'm unique in this scenario because every artist I know, um, whether it's that extreme or not, or whether it's more extreme, went through a similar path. And so I, I really want to advise people to like hesitate before they jump in and kind of make a, a flash judgment about someone like, you know, um, like, and how they achieved what they achieved. Or like, you know, I, I remember the first time I illustrated a book, having friends respond like that. Like, you're so lucky that that publisher reached out to you. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, yeah. I've sent queries to publishers for like three years and I finally landed a fully illustrated book. That's what happened. Like, it was, I mean, luck was them finding it. <clears throat> but um, someone in the chats mentioned this, too. It's like luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Um, so, so anyhow, my, my only that was my kind of the gist of the thing is like, I think you got to be careful when you come up to people with a, a prejudgment of what their past is and what kind of entitlements they had um, that led them where they are. Because a lot of the time, like they may have been less entitled than you. Yeah. You know? And that's and I, just something I, I, I wanted to mention. And I think that's true no matter what situation people are in. I think it's true for people who are in a more stable situation to yeah. look at somebody who is not in a stable situation and, and wow. judge them and assume laziness or whatever, um, you know, or vice versa, like any, anything, the fact of the matter is, is that you don't know, uh, what's going on, um, yeah. in that person's life and you don't know what they've been through. And, uh, and so anyway, I think, um, I don't know. So many things came to mind while you were talking about that. But one thing I think was, uh, one thing that came up was, um, Gazbot said, uh, my horror stories do not match those of Joshua Kimball. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, Victor Rodriguez says that he has, um, he's done the graveyard shift too. And also said, I want to see a movie of Josh and Corey. Corey can be played by Matt Damon and Josh can be played by Jason Lee. And that movie would be awesome. Um, I, I do like Jason Lee. Yeah. It's pretty I'd, I'd be down with, I'd be down with being in a movie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think one of the, one of the main things I think is this, right. Um, I, I want to go back to this. I think that if you are frustrated, jealous, angry at someone else's success, take a good look at why that is right. And as yeah. soon as you start, as soon as you start looking at that, and being annoyed that they are successful, that actually doesn't have anything to do with them. That has something yeah. to do with you, right? And I mean, a lot of the time, I look, at, I look at my life and I think, man, I am super blessed to be able to do this. And I remember talking to my wife a couple of years ago, just saying, like, I don't deserve all of the things that have happened and that have lined up. Like, and she said, are you kidding me? Like you are one of the hardest working people I've ever seen. Like after you're done with a 40 or 50 hour week, you put in another 20 hours yeah. every week, all the time. You've been doing that ever since I've known you. Um, yeah. I remember I started doing that in 2003. Um, and I have pretty much maintained that, um, you know, with the exception of, you know, the occasional vacation or when I'm traveling or, or sick or whatever, but I, I've maintained like 15 to 22 hours a week 
on top of whatever full-time job I had. And the only exception to that is when I was getting my master's. Um, and that was like, because I literally had no more time in the day, but I got a full-time master's during a full-time job, yeah. you know, um, you know, with, with the family and everything. And, and I, I, I won't go, I won't go into detail. Um, I, I don't think I can hold a candle to, to, uh, to any of those stories, but I mean, I've, I've slept, I slept on a couch for nine months. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I lived in a studio apartment where, um, I had to open carry a, a, a 44 Magnum, um, to do my laundry because of the, the amount of like, uh, dealers and addicts and whatever else criminal element that I was living in my apartment complex. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and so it's, and those are obviously I've handpicked some extremes there. Uh, at one point in time, I stretched six dollars uh, for six weeks um, for my food budget, um, and I just ate um, I ate cans of tuna, three meals a day with uh, different mustards mixed in, just yeah. because that's what I that's what I could afford, um, and that was while I was going to school. And so, like, you know, I think I think there's there's this. <laughs> I think it all comes down to this, right? I, I know people who they have every excuse in the world to not yeah. be successful. And yet they are right. I, I mean, yeah. there are, there are people in this community, uh, in the 48 hour art check community, um, you know, who are full-time caretakers, um, yeah. and still get in four or five hours a day of art, you know? And, and there are people that are, that are going out of their way to do incredible things. And the main thing that I want everybody to understand is that if you look at someone and they seem extraordinary, yeah. you need to understand they are a normal person who chose to do extraordinary things. Um, yeah. And so yeah. as you're, as you're going, as you're going through that and you think, you know, if, if the only difference between me and, you know, this, this pie in the sky, amazing life is work, time, and opportunity, you can control two of those. Yeah. And so I always just tell people, look, fast forward five years, what is the best case scenario of your where you want to be? Right? Yeah. What's the best case scenario? Think of think of think of the coolest life that you could possibly live. And then yeah. what has that person done? What does their portfolio look like? What if what if, what projects have they finished? Yeah. Uh, where have they worked? Who have they helped? And then all you have to do is rewind back from that period and today start doing those things and you're yeah. on that track. And then when opportunity comes, you might end up in a completely different place than what you imagined, but it'll be a good place. Because yeah, I- if you just use that as an excuse, like, well, right now, you know, I'll, I'll describe a situation that I was in. Uh, right now, I just had my landlord steal my rent that I paid for the semester because I, I was stupid and I paid in cash and didn't get a receipt. So she pocketed it and um, and claimed that I didn't pay. And so now I'm I'm homeless and I'm living in the in my van um, that breaks down every every few hours and and I can't actually physically drive it outside of this town that I'm in. Um, I could look at that and say, yeah, this is probably a decent excuse to not be able to finish school. Yeah. And I did. And I finished it. And I figured it out. 
and I and yeah. I and I asked for help, which was which was super pri- super hard. And I had yeah. three part time jobs while yeah. I, while I had twelve to fifteen credits, you know, a semester. And and I I did what I needed to do. And at the time, I don't think I felt like, oh, this is like superhuman of me. Look at how amazing I am. Yeah. It was just kind of like. All right. Well, that happened, and uh, so what am I going to do about it now? All right, I'll do this. And it's not like I—it's like this big, like epic movie with these, you know, swelling soundtracks in it that yeah. make it. You know, this, there's not this montage. It's just like you wake up in the morning and you're like, all right, what have I got to do today? Right? Yeah. I looked at—I looked at everyone that I was going to school with in my bachelor's, and I was like, I'm not getting better grades than these people. I, I got okay yeah. grades, but it wasn't like amazing. Like there wasn't Latin after my name and the commencement, you know, address or yeah. whatever. And so like. I looked at all those and I was like, I've got to do something else. Cause if, if, yeah. if it's just classwork and GPA, that is not going to differentiate me in the marketplace. And so that's yeah. when I took out a loan, the first debt that I've ever had in my life, I took out a loan to buy a computer and I bought a computer and I taught myself Adobe Photoshop and I taught myself yeah. Adobe Illustrator. And this is before YouTube existed. Yeah. So I was, <laughs> I was learning this stuff before there are hundreds of thousands of tutorials online. There were no tutorials online. There was nothing at that point in time. Um, and if you found a tutorial online, it was like you found you you found Solomon's hidden city, you know, yeah. and and, uh, and it was incredible. And so I, I did all of that, but at no point in time did it feel like you know, this epic, extraordinary montage sequence in an 80s movie where like I, I level up or anything. It was just like, what have I got to do now? All right. So this happened. Yeah. So, so what's up next? Um, you know, and, and you look at like Sean Gordon Murphy, like literally slept in a, um, a garbage dumpster, the first San Diego Comic-Con that he went to. Yeah. He, he and a buddy found a factory that like, or a, or a place that like cleaned garbage dumpsters. And so like, it wasn't dirty, but it was like literally a dumpster and he slept in that so that, because he couldn't afford a hotel room. And so like, yeah. The, the, the fact of the matter is that there are there are two of those three things that you can that you can af- that you can affect and you can affect those things today and you can yes. affect them tomorrow and you can affect them the next day and if you don't when that opportunity comes you might not even notice that there is an opportunity because it yeah. won't show up for you it'll show up for the people that have made the sacrifices for those 5 10 15 years and when it shows up you know and I look at I look at some of the jobs that I've gotten you know and and it's like I, you know, I'm so directionless. I have no idea what I want to do with my life, um, you know. And so I was a photographer. I was a videographer. I was a video editor. I was an animator. I was a, you know, I was a self-taught graphic designer. I was this. I was that. I was this. You know, at one point in time, I was building, you know, like foam sets that you would cover in truck bed liner. I mean, there's like all uh-huh. this kind of, and I did all that stuff because like I just, I just needed to do that to pay the rent. And it was just whatever, whatever it was that I needed to do. And then kind of like you said, at the end of that situation, all of a sudden I get um, several jobs in a row because I know how to do all of those things. All of that randomness seems very not random. Now that I look back, there seems like this very directed path. Um, And it was all because incredible opportunities happened, but also because I made sacrifices to be able to accept those opportunities and meet them because I had become somebody that could handle it. Yeah. And I, I really want to kind of reinforce this too, just by going outside. Cause I know I went on that long rant about my own experience and stuff, but it's like, 
Um, so the people I graduated with who were super successful, like there was this guy, um, Jeremy Spears, and he's like a, a big dog in story at uh, Disney. And like, I think the last thing he did was like Zootopia. Like he was like, had a story on that. And, um, you know, a lot of people would like look at him. I don't think he had like a poor childhood or anything, but when we were going to school together, um, I always just thought he was like this magical being because he 30 minutes before class would bust out artwork that was better than anybody's. And it was like Disney, like perfect. Like, you know, the sketchbooks you buy for like Pixar, right. like it was that <laughs> level of drawing. Um, and it was just natural. And so we were just all like, at least the people who weren't close to him because he was a peer, he wasn't like a friend. Um, he, you know, we were friendly. We joked around a lot. Um, but, uh, but I remember just being like mystified by it. And only later after he had kind of first, he landed a, an internship at Pixar and keep in mind, um, a lot of people are like, Oh, that would be nice if Pixar handed me an internship, but realize Pixar doesn't give internships to people coming out of Cal state Long Beach. Like it's a Cal state. You, you, that only goes to like, there's two schools they recruit from. And both of those schools cost about like $40,000 a year. <laughs> um, not Cal state Long Beach. And yet, and this was before Cal state Long Beach was recognized like full out art Academy, um, which it's now become, which it totally deserves. And I love my school and alma mater, but, um, but the point being, what I didn't know, like it would be easy to judge. And I think at the time I might've been like, ah, this kid, like he's just got everything. I got to work jobs and stuff like that. You know, what I didn't realize was like when he'd get out of like a, a class, he would drive um, from Long Beach to Burbank and beg the teachers to let him sit in, um, in classes, um, to, which had Disney guys. Um, and he got in with that group and when they do a trip to like the zoo to do a sketching exercise, like he would be going there, not for credit, just begging to kind of be able to tag along and networking and making that happen and also building his drawing abilities. Then he would drive all the way back to Cal State Long Beach because he's doing those assignments and doing a full load in a BFA program at a pretty competitive school which is the one I went to. Yeah. And that's why he would knock things out that were beautiful 30 minutes before class. And part of why they were beautiful is he's working on doing plain art sketches with Disney artists that he begged to be around. Um, just pretty much just chasing mentorship after mentorship. So what I didn't realize, like when I was in school with him is he's probably the hardest working guy we were going to school with. He was probably working harder than anyone academically to kind of get, that thing so that wasn't once again it's like he had some ability he had some fortune and stuff and there's always fortune involved in everything but the point being he put in so much work um you know my friend brian who worked on star wars like started out just hustling to get anything and took just crappy advertising jobs and just worked really hard to get something with like wizards of the coast which for those of you who are familiar with like how they pay for the card paintings pay nothing but his goal was to like get from wizards of the coast to get into spectrum so he just did tons of these things and then had to work all these odd jobs just to kind of make those things and finally get into spectrum which wasn't a first shot try and then finally kind of worked his way up and worked his way up um and then finally ended up in costume and then finally ended up in the costume guild and it's just like a gradual thing 
once again, when you're in it, you don't see it. Like I was, what I was describing, I'm like, it's chaos. But at the same time, like along the road, you're building something. And for me, like that realization, like I said, didn't really, I didn't click it all together. Like what all I had accomplished as an artist until I applied for an art director position, how to like really assess my whole career and be like, oh crap, I'm actually like, I can literally stand in front of somebody and say, I can do this job without BSing. Like it's, like I sincerely am perfect for that job. Um, and, and if I took like any of the elements out of that chaos, um, that may not have been the case. And then it, you know, um, so, so that's something to really, I think keep in mind. Um, Gaz said in the chats, he stopped being jealous, angry at others for their success a long time ago. Now he just gets angrier at himself for not working hard enough. I don't know about that Gaz, cause you're one of the hardest working artists I know. Um, but maybe, maybe that's just a perception, but like from what I've seen, it doesn't seem like you're not working hard. But, um, but also I want to point out, uh, that he's not, he's not like resting on his laurels and being like, Hey, people think I'm hardworking. So I'm cool. Like yeah. he's still hardworking, right? Even, yeah. even though he's reached, you know, a certain perception and a certain level of art and he's able to like. Um, you know, convention and 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 people yeah. are are looking for him to do things and you know, a moderator of different things. Like at no point in time is he like, oh, I've arrived. You know, that's something that I love about this community. I, we are definitely in this episode preaching to the choir, um, yeah. Because uh, I I don't think you could find a harder working group of people. Uh, yeah. Literally, I imagine that most of the people that are listening to this right now are listening to that while they are working on their side hustle. You yeah. know, um, and so it, it's it's really cool. But I, I think sometimes it's good to hear, um, you know, and I don't feel like I've made it or whatever, but I'm always just super grateful every day that I am able to like feed and house my family, yeah. you know, doing something that I don't hate, you know, and, and that that like is fulfilling at times and, and things yeah. like that. Another thing, another thing I wanted to point out and then um, is I don't, I don't live in a place that I like, you know, yeah. I, I, I've, I've, my family has made sacrifices to be able to do what we do. Um, you know, because I, I live in the high plains desert of Idaho. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in one of the most beautiful places in the world, which is the central oh, yeah. coast of California, you know, like San Luis Obispo, California is that's where Bugs Bunny was always trying to end up was this isn't Pismo Beach. Right. And so like that, that's that's where I grew up. Um, and I left there because uh, some opportunities presented themselves. But I mean, now, um, you know, and, and this is one thing. I mean, I know people that live in Korea. I know people that live, um, you know, scattered all over the globe and are able to do their art partially because of the amazing amount of work that they put in, but partially because they've made sacrifices in their life to yeah. lower to lower their cost of living. You know, I mean, Josh, you commute an hour yeah. every day into work because yeah. you're living in a place uh, that is that is nice, but it's not like it's not like South Hollywood or Pasadena. Yeah, and and actually cutting in with that too, it's like um, I think this is another reason that like when I go to the NCS, it's like I've met guys who were like they they cut their teeth like doing Disney films, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. like working on Disney films, and now they're struggling to get by in like a one bedroom and stuff, um, and they're still just ha- like carving away at doing the work every day. Um, 
but like one thing that and then there's people in there who are like millionaires and have houses in the Hollywood Hills and stuff and like movie options and license money you know yeah. um, but one thing that unifies everyone there is the fact that they're all making stuff and they're all continually making stuff and they're all really into the work um, and all of like there, there's not one member of that group that, that hasn't done the work um, same with this group. It's like I don't see any members of the hundreds that aren't like actually who've gone through it, who who don't do the work. Yeah. So, but what it, what I really, um, and, and I think that's my judgment, you know, on people is like I don't judge people if they're, um, like hell. If, if you got to move to like Maine, and well, Maine's actually kind of expensive. I'm trying to think. Yeah place because because we're none of like none of us are in bad places but i'm saying if you have to move to like the middle of nowhere and live in a shack um i'm not judging you um what i'm judging by is like are you doing the work because if they're not doing the work i'm not super sympathetic there's there's one group of people that i judge and that's the people that talk about what they want and don't do anything about it yeah, and I don't and care what you, I don't care what your no. economic situation is in that in that point. I don't care what your what your job is or how fancy or how crappy your clothes are or your car or yeah. anything like that um, at any point in time. But when it comes to I wish, and then you don't do anything about it, that that bothers me. It's like just just yeah. either stop wishing and stop talking about it or do something about it. But, yeah. but stop and doing this thing the in the reason- middle. Yeah, and part of the reason that's so frustrating for anybody who's made any semblance of progress in this really difficult, really competitive field is you don't realize how hard every person in that field works to even retain where they're at. Um, like I said, you know, I mean, I mean, hell, like I, th- I think of a, a perfect example of this would be, um, uh, um, oh my goodness, it's way too late, I blanked out. Um, but I mean, a good example of this would be one of those seasoned artists, you know, who worked for Disney and was like one of the classics and then got laid off like in the early 90s and right. was just like destitute and was used to a certain level of income. And yet most of those guys bounced back. Um, most of them worked literally every day until they died. And I mean, I have a tattoo of um, of Crazy Cat on my arm and it's partially because George Harriman like literally died with the last week of strips executed under his dead body. <laughs> like, right. And I, I tattooed it on myself after I got into cartooning because I want that. I think that's the best way to go out. And I'm not saying I want to work myself to death. I'm just saying I want to be doing my work and be so into it and so passionate about trying to perfect this thing and figure it out. Not even monetarily successful, just get to that point where when you're that destitute, it's still something you want to get those last week of strips out. And like, I think that, um, that to me is like, that's the personality that like, I'm not judgmental of at all, regardless of where people are at. But yeah, like the wish thing, if you say that around people who are not wishing, they're trying. Um, and also like anyone at any status is trying and if, and occasionally failing and that failing hurts. You know, um, and that failing risks, right? Um, if Corey like tries like these side projects and he's putting in this much time investment, which has a cost, um, and then it doesn't like none of it goes anywhere. 
um, that's, that's, that hurts. That's not fun to go through, but we're all kind of going through that ringer. Occasionally, some of us are having moments where like it spills off and you level up and you may not even realize it because you're in it. But, um, but the point is when you're talking to somebody who's in it and you kind of have an attitude of like, well, that's good. Cause you have it and I don't, um, that just, that, that really, that, that, that is the quickest way to kind of piss off an artist. Um, and not just <laughs> piss them off for themselves, but piss them off for you. Like you should be mad that right. you're using excuses to kind of avoid doing the thing you should be doing. Um, so yeah, yeah. Rambly. Um, hopefully yeah, no, we hit it. I, I, I think we hit it. I just want to, I just want to wrap it up, uh, you know, by saying, um, kind of what we were talking about at the beginning, um, the only powerful position you're going to be in is hundred percent accountable for your actions, um, and, and your thoughts and your, and your emotions. And that doesn't mean that you need to be robotic about it. And it doesn't mean you can't get down on yourself and it doesn't mean you can't have bad days. But the fact of the matter is that if you want to be an artist and you haven't drawn that day, you're not an artist that day, but if you've drawn that day, you are right. Yeah. And, and so if, if you, wherever you are, whatever, and I, and I tell, I tell people this all the time, like I have lived a creative career, right? I've had a creative career and I've always been doing creative things, but I didn't start drawing seriously until I was 32. And so, um, you know, I, I've only got, what is that six years under my belt? Right. And I still regret, you know, the 25 to 30 years that I could have had under my belt up until this point. Um, and so don't wait. Cool. It's it's so cool because if if you are in that age range that Corey started at, it's I think that's actually amazing because the level you're executing now is a testament to the amount of work you put in in the time since you started. Because you've made more progress than a lot of artists make in like 10, 15, 20 years. And um, and I think a lot of that has to do with like that mentality of like when I think when you decided to do it, you really committed. Yeah, I and, didn't. And I, and I drew a little bit here and there, right? Like I, I, I yeah. draw here, there or whatever, like, you know, and I did graphic design and I did photography and I did video. Yeah, so and you so like, back up. Right. Too, but yeah, but, but still. But when I, but when I started doing it, like I started from, I had never done any figure drawing. I had never tried to draw, I had never tried to draw a human face, you know, like, and the stuff, yeah. the stuff that was really early, uh, you know, was, was really rough. But my point, my point is not like, Hey, look at me and look where I am or whatever, because I, you know, I still think there are huge holes and flaws, but my point is you can start doing whatever it is that you want to do whenever you want. There's, there's not yeah. like a too old, you know, this isn't, this isn't like you're trying to be a, like an actor and you've got a, like a limit on your looks, you know, like, yeah. like at some point in time, you're going to age out your, your creativity can come at any stage. And, and that's the, that's, that's the main thing is, um, neuroplasticity, which is yeah. the, uh, which is the ability of your brain to adapt to any given constant stimulus. Um, or, or in other words, I'll say that I'll say that in a less confusing way. Um, your brain will um, get parts of your brain will get bigger if you 
um, consistently add something just like a muscle. If I, if I'm working out every day, my body is eventually going to go like, all right, this dude isn't going to stop picking up big, heavy things. So we got to get it. We got to get better to adapt this, right? Your brain is the same way. If you show up, I've gotten to the point now where if I don't draw, I feel weird, right? It's not like I choose now to like, all right, I got to force myself to do this. It's like, man, I, I haven't drawn today. And I start feeling like empty and like there's a lack because it Mm -hmm. has become part of part of who I am. And, Mm -hmm. and, And that happens because, you know, for the last, you know, 15 years or something, I decided forever ago when I looked at all of my other classmates and I saw people that were way more, um, advanced, uh, than I was, I said, you know, the only thing that is going to differentiate me is what I do outside of class. I started yeah. doing personal projects and I never stopped. Yep. And that's, and that's something, that's something that anyone can do in any situation Agreed. at any age. And yeah. all you have and to, do, all you have to do is just decide to do it and do it yeah. every day. And then you and are that thing. Yeah. And when you're trying to kind of work your way up, like even in the corporate ladder, um, in art, it's like, there's the slow track, which is like trying to kind of, um, start at like a, a small level, work your way up to the different ranks or whatever within. And then there's the kind of breaking down the door level where you've got so much personal work piled up and so many things accumulated from that successes from that which inevitably will line up as you do it more and more um that you floor like literally anyone who's been in house forever because you've compiled work that they can dream of working on that that they have no possibility to do and so there's that's something else to consider if you're not working on personal work there's going to be someone who is (laughs) And so that brings the kind of competitive nature to it, which is like just to stay relevant in this industry, it's 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 pretty necessary because yeah. the stuff that floors other artists usually isn't going to be like, here's the uh, illustration I made for Bank of America. Like that that's the stuff um, most people want to see, but other artists usually want to see, here's this crazy thing that you never really get away with doing, but it's right. really cool and you know it's cool because you know type or you know it's cool because you know design um and this is what i did because i wanted to do it and it's and it's pretty cool (laughs) um that's usually the stuff that leads to other things and and leads to better things so um i totally second what Corey's saying and i want to i want to end with the most offensive thing i'll say tonight uh and i'm not one of those guys that's like uh you know like i want people to like not do this i want them to get out but I do feel like if you are not willing to put forth the effort to become whatever it is you want to become, stop kidding yourself and stop bothering everybody and go do something else. Like, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like, you know, get out. We don't want you. I'm just saying like for your own uh, sanity, um, go do whatever it is that you actually want to do because Yep. Saying something is way different than doing it. And your actions are how you're defined. And if your actions define you as somebody who is not an artist, not a writer, not a creative, not a painter, not a photographer, whatever, um, 
then stop saying that you want to be that thing. Go do something else. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. But yeah, but you're going to do all of us and yourself a huge favor. We're in a poker game with high stakes. And if you're not going to put money on the table, go home. Yeah. You know, like right. <laughs> that's my point. And, and that's not to discourage people because I think the right people will hear that and be like, yeah, I'm on. I'm right. in. Um, and I think that's the thing. You got to be in because if you're not in, it's really annoying to the rest of us who are trying to, trying to get, get the pot. <laughs> and if, and <laughs> if you game. heard, if you heard that and you haven't done anything about it up until this point, like yeah. I want to remind you that all you have to do is do something about it today. Yep. And and that's it. Then your whole life changes, right? Whatever you do today is the only thing that matters because tomorrow doesn't exist and yesterday's already done. And so yep. whatever you do today is the literally the only thing that matters. The present is the only thing that you can control. And so yep. I, I take you back to the facts exist, but you get to decide how much value those facts have. And so let's say that you've spent 10 years talking about wanting to be an artist. That's fine. And you haven't done anything about it. Whatever, right? But what are you going to do about it today? And if you do something about it today, the last 10 years, you might have some regrets like I do, but they won't, they won't affect you. You'll, you'll be behind the eight ball. You'll have some work to do to catch up. But that doesn't mean that today you can't do something. So don't quit just because, uh, just because you, know, you're like, you haven't done anything yet. But if you're not going to do something about it today, you should quit. Yeah, and honestly, if you're going to quit because somebody tells you to quit, you're probably in the wrong industry Um, because you're going to, like, the harder you try, the more resistance you're going to face, and you're going to face resistance from people you want, you want the approval of, you want that Marvel letter that says, like, hey, you get to do Spider-Man. It's not usually going to happen your first shot. So if you're the type who's like, you know, it, it gets tough and you give up, like, it's not, it's not a good it's, it's just not a good choice. Um, and like I said at the beginning, there's exceptions to everything. We're not speaking to exceptions. We're just speaking to like, you know, and, and just to preface, like, I don't view myself as a victim in my life. Like, I feel like I've been very fortunate. And I have friends who've overcome obstacles way bigger than anything I've overcome. Yeah. Um, that first roommate I mentioned, he, he literally was born without a hand. So he had like a fetus hand for one of his hands. It hadn't fully developed. And yet he's the best guitarist I've ever met. And how he developed that was like he he literally like in, created his own like wristband that like connected to a pick and then just taught himself how to finger pick with using his wrist, just rotating it like this. Yeah. With well, not not with fingers, but with a pick, but emulate finger picking like traditional folk music. Right. And it's like insane. He's like seriously better at guitar than I've ever been. And it like once again, it's like, can I look at him and be like, well, he's only better at guitar because he's, you know, just got a better gift. It's like, no, no, like actually I have no excuse for being worse at guitar than him. And literally he's that good because he put in like I can't imagine how much frustration and practice to get there. Um, and yet, like once again, one of the last person you'd ever hear complain about the situation he was born into. And there's people who have way worse. So that's my only point is like there's people have overcome crazy obstacles way beyond anything Corey or I have faced. So it's like that, that's the, that's the point of this is like, right. it, it literally is not the anger doesn't come because of us. I think we're all pretty content with where we're at and, and eager to see where we lead. It's just more of like a frustration. Cause like of empathy, 
Like I, I can put myself in the shoes of someone who's on that path and is like, nah, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. makes like you have these little moments of like the split path with creativity where you can go the create route, um, which is full of obstacles, but it's way more fulfilling where you can go the kind of consumer route or the just kind of accept and don't change things route. And it's full of a little bit smoother roads, but the ends just don't tend to be so great. So it's like every time you face one of those and you're an artist who's on this path and you've gotten through the bumpy roads, but you know the fulfillment there, it's like you see people over here and you're just like, what are you? Oh, just stop. Like (laughs) stop where you're at. Or if you're not going to stop, like speed up and just go that way. Like so I can like continue on this with encouragement with all the troops here you know i don't know if that makes sense yeah but yeah uh so i want to end with uh gazbot said uh yes i say this too but it really offends people um and holly brown said something similar and it was like an internet uproar with quote-unquote artists um and i i just want to say that today's episode has been sponsored by josh's design uh make something or (laughs) shut up and quit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and it's one of my favorite designs and I'm, I'm now kicking myself because several times I've been like, ah, I need to buy that as a mug or something. I don't know if you've got that in a way that you can pull up, but we need to link to that in the show notes for this because it's, it's perfect. It's just a tight based design that says make something or shut up and quit. And it, or, is that what it says? Or am I saying that right? Um, it's something I like it's that. Make stuff <laughs> yeah. or shut up and quit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's one of my favorite designs. And we did promise you at the beginning that we'd say offensive things. So if you are offended at this um, and you're still listening, which I doubt if I've offended you, you probably are pissed off and ranting at me on Twitter or whatever, YouTube or whatever. <laughs> like if you're still listening, um, take a, just, just take a self inventory, right? The powerful yeah. position is to say, what can I do about this? Not how much I hate Corey Kerr and I'm going to go in and, um, and I need to, you know, whatever, like, you know, if, if your, if your reaction to any of this message is, is to, to lash out or get angry or whatever, I forgive you. Um, you're not, it's not going to affect me. I don't care. And I, and, and you've earned my pity because of the attitude that you've chosen to have. But if your reaction, if your reaction is, uh, if your reaction is, oh man, that hurts. What am I going to do about it? I'll, I'll be there to help you out because can, you're going to make it. Can I chime in there in a less like friendly Corey Kerr way? And I, I really want to hopefully end with this. So was, if there's hate, just direct it my way. Cause Corey is a loving that was kind friendly. person. <laughs> um, I'm just going to say like, if you're offended by this, um, go get in a fight. Like, like, like like an actual fight, not like a Twitter fight. Yeah. Like a a physical fight. Like go like, like get toughen up. Like, and I I hate to say it that way. I know that's popular, but it's just like, seriously, you're going to get eaten alive in the professional world if you can't like just, you know, so yeah, that's it. Yeah. I just want to point out that I don't feel like it came off as nice and Gazbot is backing me up because he said I'm in savage mode. So I know. I was just I was just trying to highlight it. Awesome. Right. I'm well, glad Gaz was in the chats because I feel like we you know what it is? Gaz, you you in the chats, um, we we felt felt the aura of Gaz right. in the room. So Man, nobody, we'll have to 
have you on if we touch this topic again because yeah. jazz is like really good at speaking straight and speaking truth you know yeah that's yeah all right it's awesome you guys are awesome everyone everyone's chats is awesome you guys rock uh so yeah so anyway so if uh oh what happened there's no uh sad day there's no credits um if uh if you want to see what we are working on <laughs> if we haven't <laughs> completely pissed you off by this point in time uh go, go check out our stuff uh and you can uh you can you can follow along on the podcast, uh, this this might be a fun podcast to share with people. So if you're frustrated mm-hmm. by hearing people talk about how much they wish, blah, 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 just send them a link to this podcast, which you can find at coreycurr.com slash 48HR. And, uh, you know, if you guys want to see some of our stuff, go to coreycurr.com there, and I've got all kinds of stuff there. And I am active on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram, and I would love to have conversations with you guys on that. Also, just a quick plug Go check out the video that I produced yesterday with um, a bunch of the people that did Sticker Stint with me and uh, check out the hashtag Sticker Stint because uh, that's another group of people that are that are bringing it like no matter what, like producing something every day is rough, man. And uh, and, and some of those guys did that in, in, in spite of life and everything happening and it's awesome. So go check that out. Um, and, uh, and then if you want to see Josh's stuff and if you are interested in a Josh biography, uh, it actually exists. It's, it's, it exists in comic book form, and it can be found at quarterlystories.com, um, which can also be delivered to you on your mobile device, mobile optimized, with the Tapas uh, app. And so go check all that stuff out. Keep making stuff. You guys are awesome. Yes. And uh, yes. we'll see you in a couple days. Bye.